Welcome everyone to the Inspired Jewish Woman podcast, a place to come together to meet other passionate Jewish women from around the globe. We here value unity and we come together from different backgrounds, places and stages in life. We focus on what unites us being a Jewish woman. We believe that every woman has a beautiful and unique light to shine to our community and to the world. In these podcast interviews, we find the light in others, and we learn from everyone. These are the topics that matter most to you and empower you to be the inspired Jewish woman that you want to be. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Eve Levy. Welcome back for another installment of our Inspired Jewish Woman weekly podcast. And today I have a dear friend, Jordana Brown. Hey, Jordana, how you doing? Hi, Eve. Hi, everybody else. It's been a while. I miss you. The, the mm-hmm. best part of my job of going to Israel every year, twice a year, is that I get to bump into you. We bumped into each other and met up a bunch of yes. times. Yes. So funny because you say bump into you and I say stalk you around the country and find you so that I can see <laughs> oh, you. It's just like hashkacha prati. You know? I don't know. Like, where are you? I will be there in five minutes. Don't go anywhere. That's awesome. Well, I so appreciate it because Jordana and I go way back, I would say from our seminary years. Is that? But not our seminary years. We worked at the same seminary. That's right. Okay. So that was when, okay. So that was chapter two of my Israel experience, not our own seminary years, but when we were involved in seminary. So interesting. I feel like I know you from way before that, but it's probably just like this soul connection. Let me introduce Jordana because Jordana is a light in the Jewish world. She is an inspiration to so many. She is out there. She is, I tell you, Jordana, you are living my dream. Okay, so I'm a little jealous, but I'm going to put that aside right now. Jordana is born and bred in New York, who made Aliyah in 2014 on her own, by the way, which takes guts. Not even easy to do with someone, but to do it on your own, I I can't even imagine. We're going to hear your stories and how that was for you. In the States, Georgiana was a licensed speech therapist, and she was active in her outreach community of Kirov. She staffed more than a dozen birthright trips. So Georgiana was very busy in the birthright world, staffing so many trips, and eventually she realized that her future is in Israel. So since making Aliyah, she has become an advocate and a resource for people that want to make Aliyah and learn more about this process. And she helps them, she holds their hand as they take this plunge. And I think you're mostly working with young observant professionals. Yes, no, I'm all people, right? Yeah, mostly young observant professionals. So also non-observant, also non-professionals, also, I mean, anyone who wants to, but that's probably my area of expertise. And we're going to hear so much from you in a second. Jordana first lived in Jerusalem. She was this Jerusalemite woman, and I thought you would stay there forever, but no surprises with Jordana. So Jordana now lives in Tel Aviv, and she's an active part of the Tel Aviv community, which is so new to me, because when I lived in Israel for 12 years, I was living in Jerusalem. I only went to Tel Aviv to do some shopping. Go to the beach. 
or the beach. That's true. But mm-hmm. more the shopping because I was a seamstress back in those days. I don't know if you remember me. Oh. That. that was pre my seminary years. So I used to shop in Nahalat Binyamin. And yeah, so Tel Aviv definitely has a vibe of its own. And I'm just going to end with this. Jordana believes that there is a place for every single Jew in Israel. We're going to call this conversation Yalla Aliyah. Okay, like, let's go. Aliyah. So tell us, inspire us. Let's hear what you got. In case anyone who's listening doesn't know what Yalla means, it's actually Arabic and it means let's go, but it's definitely been adapted in the Hebrew and Israeli culture. So everybody says Yalla, it means let's go, or you got it, or it's just like this like action verb that means like let's go. So um, we all love it. So Yalla Aliyah to, to me means let's go, it's time to make Aliyah. So I lived in New York until... 2014. I was born there. I was raised there. And I thought that I would die there, honestly. And you have Um, such a beautiful family there. Sisters and your parents are awesome. And I have nieces and nephews and and I had a good job and the whole thing. There's like this reputation that sometimes people who are making Aliyah are like running away from something. And that's like the first thing my mom said to me. She was like, what are you running away from? And I was like, oh, I'm not running away from anything. I like I'm doing this very on purpose. So I lived in New York and I grew up in a very typical modern Orthodox home. I went to Jewish schools my whole life, Jewish camps my whole life, Jewish Pesach programs. I mean, like my whole life was in a modern Orthodox bubble. Absolutely loved it. Never had any interest in going elsewhere. Uh, And I took what I call the road more traveled. And I went to college and grad school and I became a speech therapist. And I did what I was supposed to do. You did like the good from girl thing. Exactly. No little from girl grows up and six years old. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a speech therapist. It's just not a thing, but it's practical. So that's what I did. And I enjoyed it. It was never, you know, my life's ambition, but it was fine. And um, I think at, at some point you kind of, and then this is in the firm community, very in the Orthodox community, common issue is that if you are single, Uh, and you don't get married and you don't have children at a certain point in time, you don't feel as much a part of the community. But you explore different facets of your personality and different facets of things that make you happy that you wouldn't really pursue if you were, you know, in a marriage and had a family. It's just like a reality. Like you don't do as much traveling when you have a husband and a family. You don't do as much, partake in as many hobbies. You don't go out as much. So, um, so I had this flexibility um, to kind of spend my time as I chose. And at a certain point, I got very interested in Jewish outreach. And I worked with the organization Asia Torah. And I worked with partners in Torah. I mean, I was like what I call like madricha. You know what I mean? Like if you meet anyone right now, age 25 to 35, I was their madricha. So at one point, I got involved with Birthright which is, I feel like everybody knows, a trip for 18 to 26-year-olds to take to Israel for 10 days for free. And they can learn about the country and their heritage, and it's really wonderful. I was a counselor 12 times, and about the sixth time, someone said to me, why don't you live here? You're here so much. And I said, yeah, that's a good question. And then people would ask me that all the time because I would go every winter and summer break to Israel. just became really a second home for me. And around that same time, I would have conversations with, <clears throat> let's call them ultra Zionist friends, and they would be based on the Torah Jewish perspective on living in Israel. 
And it came to a point where I really started to believe and I really started to integrate into my kind of ideology that Jews are meant to live in Israel and that for whatever reason over the past 2000 years, we haven't been living in Israel as a nation, you know, but that in 1948, a miracle happened and Jews were allowed to come home. And at a certain point, it became baffling to me why Jews weren't choosing to come home specifically from America and I'm going to say Canada, but specifically from America. And this is going to be controversial, and I apologize to anybody who gets offended, but I think that a major reason that people don't make Aliyah is like the monetary materialistic aspect of what the comfort level. But a lot of people, you know, that that's not me. That's not who I am. That was me. I was materialistic. I was very interested. I was a shopping fanatic. I was interested in living a nice life. And, you know, the thought of moving to a different country where the standard of living was very different, I don't want to say lower, but very different, was very overwhelming. For me, the big issue with moving to Israel was always leaving my family. It was never anything other than feeling like, I can't be without them. And then I got to a certain point where I just thought, I can't live my entire life for other people. And that's what I was doing. I felt I was looking down the barrel of another year, doing the same thing over and over, living, you know, just for winter break or living just for summer break so I could get back to Israel. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And I just felt like that's what I was doing in the United States. I was just doing the same thing year after year. I think about this all the time. I think like the years in my 20s, I don't know how to differentiate them. They are a blob to me. They're all the same. And they were happy and I was content and I was, you know, fulfilled. But I cannot imagine if I had stayed there and lived the same way. For the right, you know, so at a certain point, I told my mom, I remember this conversation so distinctly. I said to my mom, I think it was September, and I said, I'm gonna start planning my Aliyah and I wanna do it in the summer. You know, she was very nervous about me finding someone. So I said, okay, well, you know, I'm gonna give myself another year to date in the United States. And if I find someone and he wants to live in America, I will stay in America and that's where I'll live. But if not, I need to go and live my own life. And so I moved back home that year. And I lived at home and I saved money and planned my Aliyah and I didn't find someone that year. And I was so excited and I made Aliyah and I, and it was to this day, as of now, the greatest decision that I've made. Wow. That's so amazing. As you're talking and you're like in Israel. So I have, there's a lot of emotions because I feel that my soul is supposed to be in Israel. The first time I went to Israel was for my bat mitzvah. And I remember feeling like this is home. And then the next time I went was when I was 18 and I came there for the year and I got off the airplane. And I, in those days, you know, 20 something years ago, the airplane, you would get off the airplane, you would walk down the steps, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. bend down on the ground. And Onto the tarmac. Right? You remember those Yes, days? of course. I mean, that was, I was a little, a little younger, but yeah, I remember it totally. Kissing the ground. Like this was like the dream of my ancestors. This is, right. my namesake died. She was a Zionist fighting in an underground kibbutz and she died. Yeah. She didn't leave 
for people, she actually had this like flight to freedom. Like she could have left, but she said, no, I need to be with my people. And when the Nazis stormed into the underground makeshift kibbutz, they said, who's in charge? And she stepped forward and they shot her. So my whole life, from the time I'm like two years old, three years old, I'm hearing this story. And my whole like soul is like intertwined with Israel. Yeah. And that's, by the way, a blessing because unfortunately it's not a given. Right. But the the painful part, Jordana, is right now I'm not there. And I lived there for many years and it was massive. But I remember when we left and I'm not sure if you were around, if you were there at my goodbye party. If you were there, you would have remembered that I was a (laughs) sobbing mess. The way that I described it to my sister-in-laws was it felt like my soul was being pulled out of its socket that's how painful it felt like on a level that's it wasn't like a physical thing it was just like oh my goodness but yeah. it was very quickly afterwards when we settled in Denver Colorado that I realized oh my gosh maybe Hashem wants me here maybe maybe part of my mission right now is to talk about Israel and to bring women to Israel and that became my my path right I brought hundreds of women on trips to Israel and and that yeah. gives me so much fulfillment But something that keeps coming to my mind is it takes merit to live in Israel. Like not everyone is able to do it. You're lucky. You had a lot of flexibility in your life. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. be so easy for an older family, let's say, or someone that's, this is where their livelihood is. Like it's not always so simple that you can say, we're doing it. We're going to live our dream because a lot of people make Aliyah. And then a couple of years later, they can't handle it. They can't keep up their kids for so many reasons and they have to go back home kind right. of like well first of all I've kind of changed my vernacular so I don't ever use the phrase in going to America I never use the phrase going home um I I, I do think it's disrespectful to Israel I do think Israel is everyone's home and then you know there is the concept that everyone can have two homes which is true, um, but they're going back to America. And that happens all the time. I mean, I would say from the time that I made Aliyah, my cohort, I would say half of them went back to their country of origin. And that's just a reality. And I think that that happens when someone comes to Israel, either A, just to try it, you know, just to try it out. That's just not going to work. You know, it's not a toaster oven. And um, B, they have one foot in and one foot out. You can't live in two places at one time. You can't, you know, live your life with, you know, perpetual FOMO about what's going on in your country of origin. You need to come with two feet in. Um, but yeah, I was lucky. And I do see I do see that there are reasons that people can't be here. Um, legitimate reasons. So what I like to do is I like to differentiate the concept of being pro-Israel versus being Zionist. And my goal is that everybody should have the desire to live in Israel, whether or not they pursue that, whether or not that comes to fruition, that's on them. But, you know, it, it hurts me to my core when there are Jews that don't even want to live in Israel. That's something I can't understand. I can understand not living in Israel. I just can't understand that not being a goal. Mm. 
Yeah. It's hard for me. It's hard for me. I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine and I had it when I was living in Israel. You know, like here I could understand why people are not there. But when I was there, it was harder for me to understand how come everyone's not getting on a plane. Like, guys, come on. It's amazing. You know, it's funny. You know, it's funny that you say that because when I'm here, I can understand it. But when I'm in America, I'm just like, what are these people talking about? Like, I have and I feel very lucky that when I'm in America, because I do get to go to see my family. I'm pretty portable. I'm much more portable than my family is. Um, so when I get to see them in the States, I don't have ever a desire to stay. Mm. I don't ever have the FOMO that I wish that this was my life. I never have the pull to make that my home again. A lot of my friends have that. Right. You know, they, you so your family, you fill yourself up, you do your target runs. <laughs> I get my Trader Joe's spices and then I'm good. I remember talking to a good friend of mine who was living in Canada at the time. I was in Israel and I mm -hmm. said, Rachel, don't you want to move here? And she was actually a single girl at the time. And, you know, she, she, she was able, she was transportable. Like she was able to pick up and go. And she said to me, you know, Eve, I don't really have the desire. When Mashiach comes, then I'll oh. oh, and I was just like, I sat with that. I was like, no, like we need oh. to. Okay, so you get it. You get it. I mean, I hear it all the time. I don't want to call out any specific group of people, but it comes from a very specific religious ideology, I will say. I would say, if I asked you to describe Rachel, if I described her to you, you would say, yeah, that's her. So it's very much what your teachers in second grade told you. Mashiach's coming on a donkey. We're going yeah. on the wings of an eagle. Very true. So I think it's a non-answer when Mashiach comes. You right. know, it's a cop out. Like when he comes, are, are the Jews going to actually want to pick up and go then, right? They're not, is the answer. You have to want it, I guess, now. Right. I mean, listen, if everybody here could like live in the King David and have hotel breakfasts every day, that would be great. I think that's how a lot of people see Israel. A lot of people see, you know, what I call the birthright tour version of Israel or the, the Sukkot vacation right. part of Israel. And that's just, you know, they'll come here and they'll be like, I know where to go, you know, and then they'll take you to Cafe Ramon. And you're like, seriously, this is, this, this is what amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so Jordana, let's let's get a, a reel over here because you're a really strong woman, and you're just yeah, you, know, you can handle a lot. But I want to know what were the harder parts of it? Were there moments of loneliness and homesickness, and um, maybe the culture clash of Israelis? Like, it's just it's a different world out there. Like some of the harder moments for you, and and what people should expect when making this plunge. Okay, so I always say that one of the luckiest parts of my Aliyah was that I made Aliyah from New York. Being a New Yorker and being an Israeli are very similar. And that's why when I think of you, my sweet Torontonian, or someone from the Midwest, or, you know, someone with a sensibility, I think it might be a little bit more um, overwhelming for them because it is a very upfront culture. It is a very brusque culture. And I don't get offended that easily so it hasn't really affected me but it definitely brings people down things take a lot longer here like for example in america if you had to go to the bank you would go block out 15 minutes and do your banking and in israel it's at least an hour-long process um the post office is an hour-long process you know things don't find their way in the mail here i haven't gotten a regular invitation like 
paper invitation in years because we just use evites because that's the only way it would work. You know, that's the only way we'd get the information. So these things, these are, you know, minor inconveniences that to someone who is used to every convenience kind of throws them for a loop. Mm. Also Hebrew. And I don't want to say if you don't have a perfect Hebrew, you can't move here because I do not have a perfect Hebrew. If you don't have a perfect Hebrew and you want to live in Israel, move to a community with a lot of English speakers. And even if you want to live on a kibbutz and experience the real Israel, you're making life very difficult for yourself. It's not a good move. There are plenty of communities with lots and lots of Anglos. They're a little bit more expensive, but your kids will have people to talk to. You'll have people to talk to. Everybody in your shul you'll be able to talk to. So right. you're all I can't in the same place. What I always say is that, you know, I'm going to live this very like English speaking existence. And then as Rad Hashem, my kids will, I have what I always say is translate my bills for me. You know what I mean? Like they'll tell me, you know, what this says, right. what this means. There's a sign on the door of my apartment building. It could say, you know, like dead animals in the backyard and I would have no idea because I've never even thought to read it in so many words. <laughs> That's amazing. I, so, remember, I remember simple things like going to pay the Arnona bills, like the taxes on, on the apartments. Yes. And I, I just remember coming home in tears, like yes. bring the right paper. Like there were those, we call it like Yisurin, right? Yisurin right. Small hardships, like challenges. Right. You say that you can't get Israel without those hardships. Like it's part right. of the price. It's the price you pay. It's worth it, clearly. Like right. you live in Israel, but it comes with the challenges. 100%. Even the Israel that we lived in, in whatever it was, 2007, 2008, is not the Israel that exists now. I mean, there's an app for everything. There, Everything is online. Everything, you know what I mean? Like, we have a million and one apps for every possibility, like, you know what I mean? So life here is extremely, and you know, now you can see that Israel really has their, you know, their stuff together when it comes to healthcare. Oh my gosh, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe that I get to live in the country that will be the first vaccinated country in the, in the world. Incredible. That's crazy. It's incredible. What a bracha. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, there's, 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 it, there's a lot of minor inconveniences that if you see them as minor inconveniences and not the end of the world, aren't that bad. Right. Your perspective is everything. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I always say that one of the worst things that you can do is expect to move your life from America to Israel. Because unless you have a lot of money, hmm. your life will be different. In some ways, you're going to have a smaller apartment. You're going to maybe live in an apartment and not a house. You're going to, you know, you're not going to be around your family all the time. So things are different here. Yeah. But, you know, for 2000 years, we all, you know, Davins toward Yerushalayim. We all said, Yerushalayim. We all, we, we say, you know, things about living in Israel, like hundreds of times a day, you know, in Davening. Mm. And then People are like, my ultimate goal is to live in the five towns. Like, what? <laughs> what is? What are you saying? Like, one of my friends that lives in Jerusalem. Her name is Chaya Lester. Have you ever heard of Chaya Lester? Kaplan Lester. No. She lives in Nachlaot. <laughs> so then I, I got, I, I have the idea. You get it. You get it. Like what? <laughs> 
So Chaya right. was sitting with her, we were on a bus and there was a massive traffic jam, which is so Israel, right? You're like just getting from one place to the next, it's a headache. You come out, you're stressed, yeah. you feel like you need to say a blessing that you're still alive, like the driving in Israel, yeah. it's pretty insane. And she said, she just gave such great perspective to it. She said, my soul has been waiting for 2000 years to sit in this traffic jam. And, you know, I've been to Israel so many times since she said that. And every time I'm sitting in a traffic jam or waiting in line for my coffee or whatever it is, there's lines everywhere. Thank God there's so yeah. many people. It's so alive. I just think like, yes, this is exactly where I need to be right now. Like even when you know, you, it's annoying, but this is like, this is like the purpose of, of, of who we are. This is like, let's just be here. This is a miracle. You know, it's so funny because people have been talking about how since Corona and for Israel specifically, uh, kind of shut its borders to anyone who was an Israeli about 10 months ago, I think, like I think in April, you know, it's a weird thing to be in the country with no visitors, no birth writers, you know, it's like such a weird experience because we're so used to the hospitality culture. And someone was saying that Americans or Jews, you know, diasporic Jews for the first time are seeing what it's like when going to Israel is not an option. And that's like for the first time in their lifetimes when they can't come to Israel. Oh, so true. Yeah. I know that Aliyah is definitely on the rise now with Corona and with that, just in general, like people are waking up. Many of my very close friends have been making Aliyah over the last couple of years. It's interesting that the last two jobs, like the job that we're in right now, which is Rabbi and Rabisa of the Sephardic community here in Portland. So we stepped in after mm -hmm. Rabbi Kaplan and Mira made Aliyah. Like, and now we're going to be moving this summer, hopefully to Chicago, to Deerfield, Illinois, where mm -hmm. once again, we're stepping in for this incredible family, David and Ali Began, to make their dream come true and make Aliyah. When is it going to be our chance? No, that's it. Whoever takes over for you is going to say, and we're taking over for Gadi and Eve Levy, who made Aliyah, finally. I, I do think it's going to be another quite a few years. We have to pull our kids through the school system at this point. Yeah. So we have another decade. I'm just, if anyone's listening from Deerfield and I'm like, no, they want to leave. <laughs> no, we got another decade with you ladies and, and men. But yeah, I'll tell you, when I need a good cry, I search for videos of people making Aliyah. Literally, <laughs> the, the Nefesh Benefesh videos out there, like I've watched Jamie Geller so Aliyah. I cry my heart out. You know, like sometimes you just need a good cry. Like your soul just needs to like release like pain or-, or Totally. So that's, that's what gets me going. I watch and I read stories of families that are taking this plunge, making their dream come true. And the hardships yeah. and the struggles and the triumphs and overcoming and really keeping things in perspective. There's sacrifice involved when it's such a significant thing that you're going for. There's going to yeah. be soil. It's not going to be simple, but you would never give it up for anything. Like I look at you, there's been hardships, right? Jordana yeah, has been smooth, but like you're such a light, like you're living your mission and you're sharing yeah. that with people. And it's, I'm... I'm just so impressed with you. And I give you a bracha that you should always have koach and strength to continue this holy work because Aww. yeah, it's big stuff. I want to make it seem more attainable because I think one of the issues that Aliyah has is that people think that it's this like unattainable goal. 
And it's not, it's a attainable goal and it's something that you need to work for, but we work for things all the time and it's very, very doable. When I was in, involved in Kirov, one of the Kirov rabbis said this really great thing and he said, like, what is the opposite of pleasure? Do you know? So we would probably say pain. Right, so most people think pain. And he but, said- But I think, is it comfort? It's comfort, exactly, yeah. right? So the opposite of pleasure is not pain because you know something painful might be pleasurable to someone, mm -hmm. um, but it's comfort and comfort is just stagnation, you know? It's this homeostasis of everything's fine and everything's good and I'm headed down the assembly line like I was meant to be. Um, try not to like, you know, just go around the lampposts, you know, like just keep going and like hitting all your targets, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's one of the most pleasurable things that I've ever done, hmm. even though it was difficult and it was a struggle sometimes. And I don't want people to think that it's not doable. You know, I'd like them to think I'm a light. That's really wonderful. But to think that I'm doing something that, you know, is unattainable is not true. I'm doing something that truly anyone can do. I think that at some point in their life, everyone can do it. You know, if you have a second grader and a fifth grader, I don't know that that's the perfect time to do it. But I do think that there is a time in someone's life to do it. And I think that it should be a goal. It should be... And an aspiration. I love, I love how you put it in the beginning. At, at least you need to, at least you should want it, even mm -hmm. if it's available for now. But that desire, like waking up that heart, that that yearning. Yeah. Seeing your friends in Israel and being like, oh, yeah. I'd love to be there. I'd love to do that. I'd love that to be my life. You know, people have elderly parents and people have sick children. And I mean, there's a, you know, there's a plethora of reasons why someone can't do it right then, but it should always be an aspiration because there's nothing that Israel doesn't have that you need that Israel doesn't have. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things that Israel doesn't have that you want <laughs> a lot, but nothing that you need. Right. It's so true. So, so true. I always tell people the only things, the only, only, only things that don't get easier is missing your family. Mm. It's the only thing. Everything else gets easier. I don't miss anything. Yeah. I remember when I was leaving Israel at that goodbye party where I was just crying and crying and crying. I remember thinking, if I could just stay in Israel and just be a simple Jerusalem woman, just raising my family in Israel, that would be enough. It's interesting, like we went on and we're doing incredible things in the Jewish world and we're, we're like bringing people closer to God. And you know, I feel like we know that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But I remember mm -hmm. distinctly that feeling of, I would give all of that up, like all of the big things that we're about to do with our life, I just, it, it's so, it's so equal in my books to being a simple Jerusalem lady, like just living. But you don't have to be a simple Jerusalem lady. You can be impressive for Jerusalem lady. True. But I'm saying just <laughs> like, like my sister-in-laws, I have a lot of brothers and sisters that live in Israel and mm -hmm. sometimes they're feeling down. They're like, what are we doing here? And I'm like, are you for real? You guys are living in Israel. Like that is in of itself is huge. Like that's yeah. like, we're like spinning our wheels over here trying to do things for the Jewish world. But like, you live in Israel. Like, right. that is like, guys, see it. It's incredible. But sometimes, sometimes the people in Israel need to be told that. Or need oh, a hundred percent. Secular yeah. Tel Avivian, when I'm walking around Tel Aviv, or if I go on a date with someone from Tel Aviv and they say, where are you from? And I say, New York, they get 
personally angry that I had the audacity to leave New York, that I had the audacity to have two working passports and utilizing the wrong one. Absolutely. They think that I'm the craziest person in the world. I think that Israel needs to teach a Tzionut, a Zionist course in every single class that they have. Personally, I've thought of this like many times. I wish the Israelis had the love of Israel that I had as an American. Maybe that's one of the reasons that you're there. 100%. One person at a time. Just keep, keep at it. Wow, this was so much fun. This was so incredible. I don't know if there's yeah. anything else to leave us with. I want to make sure that whoever's listening, if they want to find you, I know that you're out there, you have a blog, and she also has a podcast called Yala Aliyah, which is what we're, <laughs> what we're talking about today. And um, how else can we find you? I am at Jordana underscore Brown on Instagram. So people can ask me questions there. Um, I'm also like affiliated with Peas in the Holy Land, which is Peas Love and Carrots Israel page, but it's not so active. So if you're interested, you can find me there. Danielle, who is my friend, Peas Love and Carrots, she started this like Instagram dedicated to Israel and motivating people to move, which started off with a bang, but then, you know, it was hard for us all to maintain, but it still exists. So you can try and follow us there. And then you can say, Hey, Jordana, what's up? What's your and most active platform right now? Like I would say, day by I would day, say, I want to follow you. I would say Instagram, um, only because I don't accept like friend requests from people that I'm not friends with on Facebook. Um, but Instagram at Jordana underscore Brown. Lots of pictures of Israel, so you can't miss it. Um, yeah, and my blog is great. Unfortunately, I'm not so on top of that either. My blog was started to kind of track my Aliyah, and my Aliyah, thank God, was many years ago. So, you know, it's in the beginning, everything is new and interesting and exciting. And then at a certain point, it's the same. And definitely since COVID hit, it's been, you know, a bit even keeled. So, Okay, well, soon we're going to turn that corner and we can't wait to come see you in person. Amen, amen, I can't wait. Yeah, I think you're right. When when they closed the borders of Israel, that was like, it was a wake up. It was, yeah. that's when you really, listen, I'm from Canada. So they closed the borders of Canada. I felt, oh, mm-hmm. my I hope they're safe. What if they need me? You know, there was all that guilt and fear attached. But when they closed the borders of Israel, it woke something else up in me. Like, even if I wanted, even with all the money in the world, I cannot get into the Holy Land of Israel. Well, there is one way, as you know, right? Dying. People who made Aliyah. Or, or, or dying, right? They did, there were- Oh, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say, if you made Aliyah, I actually was, I was on a flight with this older couple who made Aliyah because they had planned to in the future because their kids lived there. But then they moved up their Aliyah because they couldn't see their kids for however long. And so they made Aliyah earlier. Wow. Wild, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we should all make it back there soon. Amen. I want to thank you, Jordana, for for having me and being such a light and sharing with us today. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Take care. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Bye. Thank you for listening. We value that you are a part of our community. Be sure to check out our other podcast episodes and to learn more about the work that we do at Inspired Jewish Women, please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, 
and on our website at www.inspiredjewishwomen.com. Notice that we use the word woman and not woman in plural because Jewish women are most powerful when we bond together and we together can create amazing positive changes in the world. Bye for now. Hope to see you again soon so we could continue this conversation.